Well, it's good to, is it echoing? Good to be back with you. Uh, it's been, it's been a morning. Uh, got, uh, every other weekend, I aim, my wife Amy works at the hospital, so I, I'm basically a single dad, and so Sundays every other weekend are very different for me, and today double duty, and uh, it's just me and Jude, and uh, he decided to wet through his outfit, and the roads were terrible, and we made it. We made it. Well, this is the, actually, one more thing. I want to say thank you to uh, your worship team. They came and, and helped us this morning to worship, and, and uh, little Hunter came as well, and we're really grateful for the ways that we can support one another, participate in worship with one another, and, and really just be a church together. Uh, so thanks. You didn't tell them they could, but thanks for letting them uh, come and help us. This is the second Sunday of Lent. During this season, we're, we're fasting to bring our body, physical bodies into alignment with our desire for, the king, for God and God's kingdom, where he's going to make all things right and all things new. Fasting is about desiring the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ. I really appreciated Pastor Tanner's message last week that, that brought that home. And so uh, he encouraged us to fast, not just over this past week, to, but to fast during Lent. Uh, and so continue that practice. And then this week we are, are entering into the spiritual discipline of prayer. And I have to give some caveats here. There's no way that I can give you the, everything on prayer today. In fact, I think I probably tried to do too much today. Uh, don't tell me if I did, but I, I think I probably tried to do too much because there's so much about prayer, different types of prayer, and, and so many questions, and, and just to be honest, I don't even know probably half of what I'd like to know uh, about prayer. But prayer is one of those things that we all know we're supposed to do it, and then we would probably all confess that we don't pray enough. I, I was in a class when I was in undergraduate, and uh, the professor said, okay, I want, this is a class for pastor, future pastors and missionaries and, and, and those types of things. And he said, tell me, what do you need to do to walk closer to Jesus? Every single person in that class said, I need to read my Bible more and pray more. And he said, you're right. None of us read the Bible enough. None of us pray enough. But what else? What else do you need to do? Uh, and, and he wasn't trying to brush over the significance of, of Bible reading and, and, and prayer, but he wa was trying to let us know that, that those two things aren't just a, a checklist, right? Like, well, I prayed enough, or, or I read the Bible enough, I can check those off today, but actually they're a, a way of life that make their way into every part of our lives. And, and, and so there's so much more than a, a to-do list they're, they're about being with God and becoming like God. Uh, a lot of the time, we, we have the best uh, of intentions when it comes to prayer, and so we decide, especially during Lent, when your pastors say, uh, you should enter into the disciplines of fasting, prayer, repentance, and, and giving. A and we say, so, so pray, and say, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I, I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. every day this week, and I'm going to pray because everyone knows that God's a morning person. So we have to get up at 4 in the morning. But if you're like me, that lasts for maybe one or two days. 
And then I'm too tired. I'm too tired. And you, even if you do get up, you start to pray, and next thing you know, I gotta go to work. I fell asleep. We we think we have the best of intentions, but we oftentimes fail in our intentions, and so then we get defeated and we stop altogether. We just stop altogether. But one thing that that Pastor Tanner and I want you to remember during this Lenten season, and really all the time but especially during this Lenten season, is that these disciplines are meant to be life-giving. And they're a means of finding God's grace at work in our lives. Spiritual disciplines are actually also called the means of grace, which are the means by which God mediates or gifts his grace to us. And so we fast as a way of setting ourselves before God and finding his grace coming to us. We pray so that we will be with God and find his grace at work in us. And we'll talk about more disciplines in the coming weeks, but they are a means of grace or God's mediating his grace to us. And so we're entering into these as as life-giving practices, a way for God's grace to be at work in our lives. They're not meant to show how pious we are, And I don't think anyone here is going around saying, I fasted this week, Uh, didn't eat for two whole days, or or whatever it is. No no one is trying to promote their self-righteousness or or show how pious they are. But it's a reminder that this isn't about piousness, and they're not meant to be defeating either. Because I really do think we can easily be defeated when we break our fast, or when life gets so crazy that we forgot to pray that day. And that can be defeating. And, and healthy communities, healthy churches are willing to admit when we fall short. We're willing to say, you know what? I really meant to fast on Tuesday morning and, and I just forgot. Or we're willing to admit that. And then the community comes alongside you and says, okay, how can we help you? How, how can we help you? Uh, failures in the means of, of grace, failures in the spiritual disciplines aren't meant to, to knock us down, but instead, they're ex- we, Pastor Tanner and I have been ex- playing with this language of experiments in grace. They're experiments in grace. And you know what experiments are? They're constant recalibrations. They're, they're trying something out and discovering, well, that went well or that didn't work so well, and then you readjust. You, you come up with a, a different way to go about it. And so as we enter into these disciplines of fasting and prayer and repentance and giving, they're experiments in grace. And sometimes experiments fail. But we recalibrate, we come alongside one another, and we say, how can we help you to enter into this experiment of grace and find the very grace of God at work in your life? They're not a, a shameful thing, right? Clear on that? All good? So this is not a, a pass-fail exam. To use language that, again, uh, this, these are experiments in grace. So together, we're on this journey with Jesus, experimenting in grace, and, and all the while extending grace upon grace to one another. And as we engage in prayer as a means of grace or a spiritual discipline, I want you to know that it doesn't mean that you have to get up at 4 a.m. every day. It doesn't mean that you have to have all of the right words to pray. Can I say that again? Prayer isn't about having all of the right words. (laughs) Thank you. Prayer, though multifaceted, is primarily about talking with God. Not talking to God. It is talking with God. Prayer is about relationship with God and communication with God. 
Uh, Clement of Alexandria, this really, really old guy, uh, saint of the church, he said, prayer is keeping company with God. Prayer is about keeping company with God or being with God. So if we're serious about following Jesus and we're serious about the kingdom of God, then we have to be in relationship with God and we will keep company with God, which means we have to talk with God. I, I don't often do marriage counseling, mostly because it scares me and I'm not a counselor. But when I do, I've noticed that it's almost always about communication. Almost always about communication. I, I've discovered that my role is just helping people learn how to talk to each other. And so I say, don't talk to me. No, talk to him or talk to her. Uh, uh, now, it's the classic. Now, how did that make you feel? Don't tell me. Tell, tell them. And it, but it's communication. It's learning how to communicate with one another. Prayer is about communicating with God. With God. So in Lent, and really all the time, we are on the way with Jesus. We're on the way with Jesus to the cross and to resurrection. And, and, and in that, we're becoming like Jesus. And we're learning what it is to follow Jesus. So it seems right that we would take just a few minutes. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> that we would take a few moments to ask, what was Jesus' prayer life like? If we're going with Jesus and we're supposed to be praying, and, and not just supposed to be, but actually enjoying and entering into prayer, then it seems right that on the way with Jesus, we would learn what was Jesus' prayer life like. So I'm going to read a whole bunch of scriptures really quickly and say barely anything about them and leave you wondering, what, what else was that about? But we have, we have more Sundays to cover that. A lot of Sundays, so come, come every week. We're open. Uh, and find out more about them. But I, I want to read through several of these really quickly. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So what do we learn here? A number of things, but at least one of them is that prayer often precedes the gift. Jesus was praying and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And I told you I'm not saying much about these. Moving on. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So evidently, prayer is the work that comes before what we often consider to be the important work. What do I mean by that? Jesus considered prayer to be the real work that preceded any work he was going to do. Sick people, crowds of sick people coming to be healed. And what did he do? He often, often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And we find out in the Gospels that he healed a whole bunch of people. But he always was praying. He often withdrew because that was the work. Luke chapter 6 verses 12 through 13 one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Jesus prayed all night because it was that important to him. I've never done that. I've never wanted to do that. Uh, I like to sleep. Uh, those days are over now that I have a kid, but I like to sleep. But evidently, Jesus thought prayer was that important 
that he spent all night praying and he had a really important decision he was about to make. He was choosing 12, there were a lot of disciples, more than 12, who were following him, but he was choosing 12 to be apostles. And before he made that decision, what did he do? He prayed all night. It was that important to him. Well, Luke chapter 9, verses, chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to slow down just a little bit because I'm getting, getting tongue-tied and losing my voice also. Uh, once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God, or, or the Messiah, which means, Christ of God, which means Messiah. And so I, I want to maybe ask a rhetorical question here, but what if Peter's ability to answer that question that Jesus posed, what if his ability to answer correctly was a direct result of Jesus' prayer? After all, wasn't Jesus praying before he asked this question? And so what if Peter was able to answer in this miraculous and wonderful and beautiful way? Because Jesus prayed. Well, Luke 22, 15 through 16, and then 31 through 32. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Have you ever noticed that? That in the, the Last Supper, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. What if Peter's ability, after he denied Jesus, but his ability to come back to faith in Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, was because Jesus had prayed for him. What if he was able to bring, come back to faith because Jesus had prayed for him? Well, there are so many scriptures I didn't read. And you're like, thank you, thank you. There's so many scriptures that, about Jesus praying that I didn't read this morning. Those are just a few. They give us an idea of what Jesus' prayer was like. It was habit. And not habit where he just did it because he's always done it, but it was a, a part of his life, an integral part of his life, so much so that it was who he was. It was a habit. It was also, we also see that, I forgot to read one. Can I read one more? Because this is important too. Uh, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39 through 42. Jesus went out as usual, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus had a habit of prayer. Oh, bless you. He had a habit of prayer. Thank you. And his habit, in his habit of prayer, he asked. He was audacious in his asking. Father, if this cup could, can pass from me, he asked. But he also submitted himself to the will of God the Father. But not my will, yours. Yours be done. 
Okay, so again, just a few scriptures. What do we, what do we see in Jesus' prayer life? That it was habit, that he asked, that miracles often followed prayers, and that his prayers were often for others. He, he doesn't appear to pray for himself all that much, but is always praying for others. And he had a radical belief that God the Father was with him, was speaking with him. That God was with God. <laughs> as strange as that is, that God was with Jesus as they communed and as he prayed. So let me state that just a little differently. The life of Jesus flowed out of his communion with God the Father. The very life of Jesus flowed out of his communion with God the Father. One more scripture, and this is what I'm actually supposed to preach on this morning. One, one more. From Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. I'm going to read more, but some of you are really confused. You're like, hey, he forgot. He forgot some things there. Matthew gives us the extended edition, uh, the, the, the uh, longer cut. Uh, Luke just, Luke narrows in a little bit. So uh, two different versions of the Lord's Prayer. Continuing on, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you, give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think I really messed up my pages here, sorry. <laughs> So Jesus, he, he teaches the disciples to pray. And, and here's what, what this prayer is not. This prayer is not a, a prescriptive prayer that you have to repeat every day to check a box. Jesus, when he says, you know, say, he's not telling us these are the only words you can pray. And, and, you, and I think like, this is a good prayer to pray. Don't, don't be mistaken. This is a really good prayer to pray, but not as a, a just a memorized, uh, contrived, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, I did it. Uh, good to go. But, but what Jesus is doing here is he's really giving them a template, a template of how their prayer ought to be. And so he, he starts out, and, and I... There we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> he starts out, and from the very beginning he says, Father. Father, and already some people's radar is up, and they're like, uh-uh, 
I, see, you don't, I'm not praying father because I had a terrible father. And, and, and I'm not sure that I can say that because it brings up wounds, it brings up a, a history that I would rather not remember, uh, abuse, neglect, uh, or just mean-spiritedness. And, and so for many people, praying father is just something that they're not, not willing to do. And I, I, want, I don't want to minimize that pain, but I also want to encourage you to, to know, I want to let you know, that God the Father is a good Father. And so as difficult of a journey as it may be, as hard of a process as it may be, I would encourage you to really, really discover that God the Father is a good Father. And in fact, that's a big part of what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer and then what he says following it, is that God the Father is a good, good Father who has good things in mind for you. God the Father has good things in mind for you. And, and so we're discovering, as Jesus says, Father, that the Father is good. God the Father is a good Father. And this is who we're talking with, a good Father. Remember, not talking to, we're talking with God the good Father. And I think the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them to pray because Jesus prayed so differently, so intimately. They didn't ask him Lord, how do we, like, they didn't ask him really anything throughout their ministry together, like, teach us, teach us how to administer the sacraments, or teach us how to do this or that. No, they said, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples. And, and so in Jesus' prayer, there was something different. I think they saw the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law who were praying, and, and then they saw Jesus, and they, they discovered that Jesus was praying not rote memorization, not even maybe all that concerned about the words, but relationship. He was praying with God the Father. There was this intimacy there. He prayed like a child asking their dad for something. And, and again, not everybody has had a good, good father, but, but if, you, if you have or, or you've seen good dads, you know that kids come up and say, Dad, Dad, get... Can I have a snack? Dad, come outside and play with me. And, and most dads are like, oh, I, I've got the dad bod now. I'm not sure I can, but okay, uh, we'll play. And, uh, but good fathers are willing to let their kids come and ask. That doesn't mean they always give them what they ask for, but they are willing to let their children come and ask. Just ask for anything. Come and ask. Good dads listen, and, and their children don't come uh, to their dad in formal, formal ways or, or well-thought-out language, Father dearest, mayest I have a snack today? No, no, they say, Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, would you play? Uh, it, there, there's no pretension here. Jesus went to the Father as a good father and just talked to him like a good dad and son. And Jesus, he tells us as much when he says, Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God the Father is a good Father who gives good gifts, the very gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that? That Jesus ends this, this section by, by identifying the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. 
and then just in a beautiful way, uh, the Holy Spirit actually gives us gifts. Uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, or fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, uh, that, that God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift, and, and then these gifts uh, make their way into our lives and are evidenced in our lives. And so God the Father is a good Father who gives good gifts, the very gift of the Holy Spirit. And notice that, that in our asking, again, that the gift is the Holy Spirit. So oftentimes our pray, in our prayers, I think we, we misunderstand the, the section about ask, seek, knock, as if God will just give us whatever we want if we prayed for it. Like God is this cosmic vending machine and our prayers are the currency that we enter into it. And after we've prayed the right things then we, that we've asked for, we just hit the buttons and out comes what we want. I, I mean, I wouldn't be driving the car I'm driving if that were true. Uh, it, it, that's not what Jesus is getting at. That's not what, what he's getting at here. Uh, I mean, what are we to ask for? It's the Holy Spirit. We're to ask for the Holy Spirit. And what are we to seek? We're to seek the kingdom of God. Our Father. Your kingdom come. We ask for the Holy Spirit. We seek the kingdom of God. And what do we find? That God is good and gives us what we need. You might even say he gives us our daily bread. He gives us all that we need. And in a good way, sometimes even gives us what we want. He gives us our daily bread. And speaking of bread, this week my wife Amy and I went to Panera Bread. Uh, good transition there. Uh, we, we went to Panera Bread on Monday. We had a lunch date. And on our way there, we were just talking about life because we just don't get to do that enough. And we're talking about life and, and prayer. And I was bouncing some ideas off of her. And, and she, she said, you know, I, I think I felt the closest to God. I, I sought God the most maybe late in high school and then in college, but now I just feel like uh, I'm kind of coasting. Like life is just kind of coasting. And, and we, I, sometimes I'm smart, sometimes I'm not. Uh, this time I think I w maybe had a little wisdom and said I think some of that situation in life, right? Like late high school, college, or, or career, what, early career time, we're asking big questions. What, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I going to be? Who am I going to be with or am I going to be with anyone? Uh, family, no family, like what's my life going to be like? Uh, and followers of Jesus aren't just asking ourselves those questions, we're asking God. Like what, who am I going to be? What, what's life have ahead for me? Uh, and so there's, there's some real big things there. But then, well, hopefully you graduate, you enter into a career, uh, maybe you have a family, maybe not, it's okay either way. Uh, but a lot of those, those things ha have been checked off. And, and life is ordinary, every day, kind of work a day. And, and, and there's not so many big questions at times. And, and, and so we were asking, what does it mean to pray continuously? What does it mean to pursue God in all things? And, and, and I, again, I, I'm going to attribute this to the Holy Spirit. I said, I think that to pray continuously I think to pray and to, to see the good gifts of God is to notice. It's to pray in a way that notices. And, and what I mean by that is to notice the goodness of God. Prayer that notices the goodness of God. And that might be, I'm not so sure today, but it might be saying, God, thank you for this beautiful snow. 
Maybe tomorrow I'll be able to say that. But thank you for the, uh, maybe it's you're out on a walk and you, you just recognize the majesty of God's creation. Thank you for the good gift of your creation. Lord, help us to steward it well. And, and prayer that notices, notices the good gifts. Lord, thank you that I ate today. Thank you for friends, for family. Thank you for a church that, that loves and supports me. It's being thankful for really the ordinary, everyday stuff that we often don't give thanks for. Prayer that, that notices, thanks God for the goodness of God, even if there weren't gifts from God, just the fact that God, God's self, is good. Thank you. And noticing that, recognizing that. Prayer that notices, also notices where God, the Holy One, or, or the hallowed one, hallowed be your name, uh, hallowed is like holy, or saying, set apart, Set apart is your name. Your name is so good, so different, so other. You are God. Holy is God. Noticing, prayer that notices, recognizes the holiness of God or, or the otherness of God, the goodness of God that is above all we could ask or imagine. And it's also noticing where God is at work. Prayer that notices, notices the provision of God. It notices the forgiveness of God. Forgive us our sins. God, we, we don't want to take that for granted. We recognize, we notice that you've forgiven us of our sins. And we've noticed so well, help us to forgive others, just as you've forgiven us. And prayer that notices is being aware of the temptations that are around us. And, and so during Lent, I want to encourage you to engage in prayer as noticing. Notice, and, and don't get too carried away on this, but notice all that isn't right in the world. Like, notice where maybe peace is lacking. And, and notice the way that people are oppressed. And notice the way that money consumes people. And notice the way that social media and really all media just constantly says, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, to the detriment of maybe time with family and especially time with God. Like, notice these things. Notice the ways that you might be participating in things that keep you from noticing the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm saying in that, it really goes with what Pastor Tanner talked about last week. Like, notice the things that aren't right in the world, and we fast as a way to say, come, Lord Jesus, come, and, and, and make these right. Noticing prayer says the same thing. God, we recognize that there are things that are not right in the world, that sin still has its grip on many on people, that, that the powers and principalities of darkness are at work. We, we notice these things, and we don't just notice them and say, and how dare they? No, we say, and Jesus, would you come and make it right? But prayer that notices doesn't only notice the things that aren't right. In fact, I would encourage us to, to move into a spirit uh, of seeing more of where God is at work than where we think God isn't at work. And, and prayer that notices is prayer that is continuous. Prayer that notices is time with God, which then orients our lives so that we see God at work and we see the things of God, which beckon us to come and participate in them. Prayer that notices says, it sees where God is at work, where God the Holy Spirit has already entered in. And can I, can I just give you a hint? It's probably where we see things aren't right. The light shines brightest in the darkness. Where is God at work? Well, here, sure. But God's at work out in the world. He, he came 
to redeem the world, not to condemn the world. And, and so where things are, seem darkest, where seem, things seem wrong, that's where God's at work. And, and you know what he's saying? Come on. Notice me. Notice me. And not in a narcissistic, egotistical way, but notice me so that you can come and receive the good gifts of God. Because God's already at work. He's just saying, church, come on. Catch up. Come on. Come, come, come and work with me. Pray. Prayer is the work so that we might notice where God is at work. Prayer is noticing his intimacy with God like a child asking their dad for good things so that we, were, we are like Jesus and so that we participate with God in doing the things that Jesus did, feeding the hungry, setting the captives free, freedom for the oppressed and the marginalized, and forgiveness of sins. Prayer that notices as an experiment in grace. It's receiving grace, it's noticing grace, and it's giving grace. And it is to be a holiness people. Prayer that notices is really a call to be a holiness people. And by that I mean people who participate with Jesus in the very mission of God. Like I said, he's at work. He's out there working already. And holiness people say, okay, God, this is who you are. This is what you're like. These are the things you do. We're coming. We're, we're coming to be with you and to be like you and to follow you in the way of the cross, which leads us to the dark places of the world so that all the world might be redeemed. Okay, now for your homework. This week, I just want you to pray. I want you to pray. And maybe this week it's the Lord's Prayer. But as a, a way of framing all of your prayer, a prayer that notices the goodness of God, the provision of God, a prayer that... that welcomes us to come and participate in God's mission, uh, forgiveness, and restoration. Prayer that notices. And so if you need to pray the Lord's Prayer as a starting point, because you say, I don't know how to pray. Well, pray that and ask the Lord to teach you to pray, just like the disciples did. And, and really, it's just talk to God. This week, talk to God. Not just uh, not talk to, talk with. Talk with God. Talk with God this week. And, and notice the goodness of God. Let this serve as a framework for prayer that sees God at work, bringing the kingdom and beckoning us to participate in it. This week it's simple. Just talk to the good Father and listen for him as he talks back. And maybe I better.